Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Cool, 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 cool Down. And today I'm pretty excited because we've got someone. He's part of the squad. He's been missing for a while, um, spreading, <laughs> spreading something down in the South Broome, South Coast down there. I'm not going to say what it is. Um, no, I'm joking. He doesn't have anything to do as far as I'm aware of. But it is his <laughs> debut today. It is his debut on The Cool Down. So welcome, Rich. Thank you for being a West Ham representative here today. Oh, bro, thanks for having me. It's been way too long. I'm buzzing to be uh, back involved. So, yeah, can't wait to, to enjoy this episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're back. You bring something different. You know, I don't know if it's because you throw swinging or you swing hammers at other guys while they're here. They're not here today. So we'll still let you swing a hammer at um, Denga, Mr. Mr. Denga up there, the Dengasaurus who makes it every week. By the way, guys, we're gonna, we have a little caps, um, caps percentage record that we keep track of. And Wonga, despite his team's poor showing, Wonga's got the best attendance record for Goal Lounge TV. So congratulations Impressive. for that, Wonga. If only Arteta had you leading the team there in Arsenal, am I right? Yeah, if only he did. Goodness me. At least I'll be on the field. The other guy's <laughs> getting red cards for no reason. Jeepers, man. And Nelly has nearly more than one red card. But I'm um, talking about results and how teams did. Let's kick off with the team. That did have a good weekend. Out of all the guys that we have representing our show, the surprise of the weekend was a West Ham win and a Newcastle win. So, Rich, yeah. 2-1 to West Ham. Let us know. What happened there? Honestly, fantastic performance. Absolutely buzzing as a West Ham fan right now. Um, long may it continue. But for us to go to Leeds, who, who needed a result, uh, Bielsa was so confident that he literally told Moyes his starting lineup in advance before the game started like two days before. So he, he he felt that they had enough in the tank to win. And, you know, they at home, they play such a high press and the intensity is insane. So for us to go behind and come back and win, and for me, you, you can ask other people that watch the game, we definitely deserve to win. We were the better side on the night by far. Honestly, Seb Haller had about three or four decent, decent chances that any good striker in form would put away. So... I'm so, so proud of the performance. And, you know, to be sixth after 12 games, you know, we within touching distance of top of the Premier League, like someone needs to pinch me now. I just couldn't be more proud of, of my team. It's been fantastic. Yeah, I mean, five. What is that? That's four wins out of five games. The only other team who's in better form is Man United, surprisingly enough, who have, what, four wins and one draw. So something something's happening there. I think David Moyes with this West Ham United remind me of when he was in charge of Everton. He's, they're really playing to their strengths. A player like Cresswell, who was a great player for you guys in the past, who somewhat had off-seasons the last couple of seasons, now he he's, seems to be a key player just from set pieces because that's how David Moyes sets up. How do you feel about the way in which you guys are playing, apart from the results? I know the results are always great, but do you feel like David Moyes is slowly coming to terms with being a West Ham manager? Are you enjoying this? Oh, absolutely. You know what? I spoke to Don Hutchison um, yesterday on PLTV, and he was just saying that there's a real calmness around West Ham at the moment. Normally, we are either going down or we're pushing for top six and everyone's going ballistic and there's unrest between the fan base and the manager and the players. Right now at West Ham, there's a calmness that we've never seen before. We're just going on about our business week in, week out. Every single player knows exactly what their job is uh, come Saturday. Moyes has found his best 11. Obviously, Antonio would go straight back into the side and we're struggling with Seb up top because he's horribly out of form, shockingly out of form. And it does let us down, but we're finding ways 
to iron out results every single week. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, he's managed to bring out the best in players that were horribly out of form a season or two ago. For the, for example, Cresswell. Last season, he wasn't great. The season before, he struggled. This season, he's right at the top for assists from, from left centre-back. You know, Masawaku, unfortunately, was injured for the Leeds game. He's someone that we missed. He's also been exceptional this season. And we were shrewd in the transfer market, bringing in Kufalet right back from, from the Czech Republic because him and Suchek have this, like, insane brotherhood. And it's really showing. It's like ironing out on the team. The dressing room seems to be a great place to be at the moment. There's no one there with big heads trying to unsettle the club. So, yeah, I'm, I'm delighted. And we've found ways to take on sides that, on paper, you know, have such an insane press, are supposedly going to roll us over. And we're just going there, and especially away from home. We're showing that this season we can compete with absolutely anyone in the league, which is honestly fantastic as a West Ham fan. <laughs> Yeah, and I saw, I mean, looking at the, I heard the commentator was saying, um, I think it was even after the after the first corner, um, he was saying that uh, Leeds um, actually struggled off their corners. And I thought that, I mean, West Ham, you could see every set piece, not the corners, actually set pieces, every set piece they got, they looked uh, very dangerous. And it's pretty much uh, a big up to Moyes, probably they, especially for that game, um, you know, he's got the advantage, he's got big guys up front, big guys in defence, and he always made sure that, look, it's the set pieces, we have to try and bury them. And that's, I think they looked, very, I mean, literally every set piece they took, it looked like they were going to score. Um, and I mean, geez, I watched, I mean, watching West Ham, um, well, I know we'll get to Arsenal later, but it's just, <laughs> they look like they wanted to win. Um, yeah. they, they, down to the last minute, they wanted, they, they just wanted those three <laughs> points in that game. And and they got it. Something, yeah, I, I miss it. I don't, know, I don't know if you guys know this, but this, this just blows my mind. This is just the confidence that's running through our side at the moment. It was the 89th minute, mm-hmm. and we're 2-1 up away from home. You'd expect us to potentially be parking the bus now, you know, get the three points. We had Angelo Bonner, our centre-back, crossing from the right-hand side for our other centre-back, <laughs> who headed it and hit the post. That's in the 89th minute. Like, in what world does that happen? You know, it's just, it was, it was just fantastic to see. Honestly, I was yeah. I'm over the moon at the moment. <laughs> yeah, and, and to to what Wonga was saying with regards to the set pieces, I think you guys do have the best conversion rate from set pieces or most chances created. A, a ridiculous stat, something along those lines. And you can see, I mean, Sam Allardyce would be would be pretty much sli- uh, smiling, saying this is yeah, he would be very proud because it's like a playbook from or one of a page from his playbook where you know just be nice and tight to the back. You know, whipping set pieces. And I think West Ham, are at a, like they're at a point now where despite wanting to play attractive football, I always say it's all, it's all about results first. And that's, it's a, you know, we can compare the two between Arsenal and West Ham. Arsenal aren't getting the results right now, so it doesn't really matter what they do. They're just desperate for the points. And with the West Ham, as long as they're putting points on the board, these other things will start coming. The confidence will come from the guys that are then will then back to the manager, whether it be the fans and the the, the board. And what's quite interesting, I mean, your last couple of managers haven't been backed by the or haven't the fans haven't backed your manager, so to speak. So it's kind of slowly with these results, you guys can. And I mean, I'm sure you weren't 100% convinced with David Moyes. I know I wasn't when I saw him at West Ham. I was like, oh, how long is he going to last there? Maybe another season or two. So absolutely. The thing is, I was I was in the UK for Pellegrini's last game in charge. I watched him get sacked, and then I watched Moyes' first game in charge, and. The general feeling around the fan base was this was the most underwhelming appointment we could have got. Everyone was going, our owners are rubbish. How can you bring back Moyes? If you considered him a failure in his first spell, how how can you bring him back? 
But I'll give him so much credit. And the problem is that we've had in the past is West Ham have kind of had one plan. And if it didn't work on that on that Saturday, we didn't know how to change it up. This season, we've been able to play champagne football at times. And then at the same time, we can go to a side like Leeds and prey on their weaknesses and their vulnerabilities and make sure we hammer them when it comes to set pieces. So we've got different sides to our game in our locker that we've really improved on. So I'll give all the credit in the world to Moyes. I wasn't a fan when he came in, but he's really winning over the fan base at the moment. Absolutely. Everyone's working tremendously hard. Yeah, he definitely have something. He has something to prove. I think, you know, coming in there, like we all had written him off. We've all just said that, but it's the point where, you know, if he fails at West Ham, where does he go from here? From a career perspective. You know, he's done the stint, he's done the spell, but it's also different. When he was at United, he looked like a deer lost in headlights. And now yeah. at West Ham, he's slowly seen this man with conviction. And that's a David Moyes, you know, everyone can get on board with. And you're like, holy shit, well, the, the logs, you know, that's not lying either. So it's well, he's well confident. Yeah. He's confident. If you look at his interviews post-match, normally he's in his shell. Now he, he, he feels like he belongs at West Ham and he's got an identity. And when you, when you hear him speak, he's super, super confident. So it's great to see. Fantastic to see because he's had spells, as you, as you mentioned, at like Sociedad, Sunderland, where he was genuinely a tremendous failure. So he's got a huge point to prove and he's, he's doing that right now. Yeah. Was it Fabialski that, uh, <laughs> that, that penalty? Was that not a red card? I thought it was a red card as soon as I saw it. <sighs> the thing is, I, I think they've changed that, that rule to an extent because in the past, that'd be a red. But I think now because of... They don't want to do a double punishment. I think it's called like a double punishment rule where if he's thrown oh. goal and you've made an attempt to get the ball, you just get a yellow okay, because yeah. there's still the penalty to come after it. But if there's no attempt to play the ball, then it would have been a straight red. As far as oh, as yeah, far yeah. as I know. Yeah, okay, I think I think a straight red would have been quite harsh because you know he comes out there, he gets the timing wrong, but it's not a malicious thing taking the play. And the strike is also, I mean, Bamford's clever in what he's doing there. He knows exactly what he's doing. So to send the keep off or something like that, I don't know. Like you said, double punishments, I don't think it would have been deserved. I don't know. Why okay, did you think yeah. it was deserved, Wonga? Because it was he was the last man. As as far as I understand the rule is that you last man on goal and there's the keeper. But I can understand, yes, it wasn't like he literally just said, Now nah, I'm chipping you. You literally try to go for the ball. Okay, that makes sense then. Yeah, okay. Now that makes 100% yeah. sense. To you. But but what did you think about the the first attempted penalty? I mean, that I feel like he should have... That was shocking. It, yeah, how the hell does what he get he... A, the ability to retake <laughs> that? I don't get that. Yo. Like that you know how I feel I'm about sure this whole it. rule with regards to, you know, the keepers and stuff? Like oh, when yeah, yeah. off your line. You know how I feel about it. I'm like, if the attacker can get yeah. any sort of advantage they do, but the keeper... Always, they always punish the keeper, even if he's like a couple but, of centimeters. I don't know how much of an advantage that really gives you, a goalkeeper. If you think about it, Claudio, I was also thinking about it now today as well. I was, I know it's it's not a solid thing, but if if it's it's a penalty, the the defending team is the one that was in the wrong. So, I mean, if the keeper is the one that has to be restricted to his line, I think it's for me it's fair. I mean, the striker can still miss. I mean, but it's a penalty in, in the sense. I mean, you fouled the guy in the box. And now they're putting it on. I mean, like with that one, he could have scored if the keeper doesn't touch him. Or if he jumps over him, he could have scored. That's my opinion. I know it's not solid. But I think, I think for me, that's it. I think it's harsh, but I understand the rule. And it is black mm. and white, so fair enough. But for me, you've seen, I don't know if you guys have actually seen uh, Peter Cech come out recently. And he, he has an idea for, for goalkeepers in saying that they can come, I think it's a foot off their line. Because, I mean, for me, 
what advantage is Fabianski getting by being literally that much off his line? Exactly. You know, so for me, that was crazy. I was really, really disappointed because at the time I went ballistic when he saved it. And then when I saw how tight it was, I'm just mm. going. And, and furthermore, I don't know if you guys saw, but there must have been about three or four players in the box when the shot was taken. So I'm not sure what happened yes. to that rule. I thought that you weren't allowed to exactly. encroach. Exactly. No, because now he scored. Yeah, because he scored. Oh, no, yeah, you're allowed. You see? Yeah, you're right. So, you're right. Yeah. It's different so no my thing is, My thing with the thing is when a goalkeeper is coming off his line, that's a natural movement in a sense. Like he's coming, whether it's diving forward or whatever, he's doing what he can to stop the ball, right? If you, mm. may, now you may, it's like, no, they've got to be restricted to the line. That movement just sideways, it's not a natural thing to jump because generally when they're coming out to collect, they're either, they've always got to come and make the goal smaller. That's how they coach. That's how they trained. And now all of a sudden yeah. you guys are going, no, 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 you can only jump side to side. So for me, it's like, that's ah, not very natural. So the, the strikers are allowed to do all sorts of things. Pause, wait, stop look left, look right, and then kick, but the keeper has to be flipping on the line. Like, that for me just does I, I just don't think the, those two the things worst add up. Part, the worst part of all was that uh, obviously he got given a yellow card for the foul, and the ref said to him, if he comes off his line, even by a millimeter for the second pen, he's going to send him off. So I don't know if you guys saw yes. that Fabianski for the second pen was basically static. He didn't even move. Basically. He was yeah. so scared to come off his line that he kind of just stood and then he fell over. So it kind of ruined it. He had no chance of saving this. That's what I was wondering. I was like, why did he stand still? I, I actually yeah. wondered, why did he stand still? Oh, it makes he was sense. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He oh, literally ridiculous. stood like a statue. And he's like, nah, that's, and I was like that's what crazy. are you doing? <laughs> 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 no, I see, that's, that's, I'm not for that. I'm not for that. But yeah, that's crazy. So, in terms, but in terms of the comeback, though, so who, who had a lot of the possession? Like, how did the game play out, Rich? Because I didn't really, I didn't watch the game, too. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, Leeds, Leeds were poor, actually. They didn't have many chances. Yeah. They had Rodrigo had a, a good header chance right at the end that he headed straight at Fabianski. Um, that, if it goes a meter left or right, that's an equalizer. But otherwise, yeah. Declan Rice and Suchek dominated the midfield. They were absolute batching rams. And um, we, we exploited them down, down their wings. We're getting balls into Haller, who honestly should have scored two or three. But he's just really struggling for form. So... We won the midfield battle, which was key because we know how in intensely Leeds like to press. And many, many times we were just patient and we, we managed to get through their press. And Leeds are that side that it, they are shockingly open. They're good going forward, but my goodness, there were times when we would counter-attack and there would be two or three Leeds defenders left and suddenly we five yeah. on three. It was one of those games where it was just end-to-end, end-to-end. And Leeds, they left themselves really, really exploited at the back. So going forward, they did okay. But my goodness me, they left themselves really, really open at the back. And we, we should have really scored more. But I'm, I'm happy with the 2-1 win. We really, really deserved the, the, the three points. Yeah, let the good times keep rolling, man. Momentum's building for you guys. The confidence is high. And the next game is, who's it? Crystal Palace, I think it is. Crystal eh? Palace. Yeah, Crystal, Crystal Palace. Palace. So that's going to be an interesting game. If you come away there, I mean, who's, who's to say that you guys can't be in it for, for the league title? <laughs> but um, next next game, let's talk about two teams that should be in it for the title. And as things stand, they could still be in it. Well, I mean, Man City get and Man United, they both have games in hand. So, And like I said, Man United are in good form. So technically, they should still be in it. But what do we think about this game, guys? No, no. At Old Trafford, overall, what are your views, Wonga? I think, look, I... I listened to Gary Neville after the game as well. Um, and I think he put it uh, uh, quite nicely. He says that uh, Man City, if you look at Man City, they're literally a shadow of the team um, that they were when they won the title two years ago. 
Um, and he's saying that Pep Guardiola is actually after the match. Pep Guardiola is probably saying to the, everyone that, yeah, they they deserve the win. I'm not deserve the. I mean, they are actually happy with his. Te- he's happy with his team's uh, performance. Uh, but deep down inside, he actually knows that um, they should have actually won that game. Uh, Man United are probably the team that got the the happier team. They happy with the draw. Uh, and, and I mean, he was saying that. I mean, as a as a Man United fan, and he, I think that for me summed it up pretty much. If you watch Man City, there were chances they did, but when I when from my point of view, yeah, they they, they are chances where they should have played the game. But the keepers, I thought, I thought to uh, what's his name, um, uh, De Gea, he came up to the task. I mean, there were times that you took. I mean. Where De Gea and Maguire, to be honest with you, like there was a time when Sterling came in, cutting from the left, um, dribbled the players. I mean, only Sterling would have been able to do such a thing. Uh, took a shot, and Maguire got in the way. I mean, all the defenders. I mean, some defenders are even on the line. So I think it's probably something that they actually planned for. Then even um, there was a time when Maris, Kevin, they switching the ball. They kind of counter attack. They switch the ball from left to right. Maris is by himself. Um, just entering the box on the right-hand side. And he's literally one-on-one now. He just has to put it in the back of the net. And De Gea came. He didn't rush out. He came out calm, made sure he watched Maris, tried to make himself big. Maris took the shot. De Gea gets down, put, just put his knee down, deflects off him, and, and, and the opportunity is lost. So... Yeah, I think, you know what? This was a game where both... Both managers came there. They didn't want to lose the game. That's all it was. One point was more important than losing two. Richie, can you? Or losing three. <laughs> well, yeah, what's no, going on there, Wonga? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Go go for it, Richard. Yeah. No stress. Um, look, I think from... I didn't personally watch the entire game. you guys game, hear me? But, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but sure. listening to what a lot of people said... Um, they kind of said that that was 90 minutes of their life that they're never going to get back. It was just a really, really disappointing game all around. And for me, watching the end and, and watching the highlights, there was not that bite and that spice and that drama that you'd expect from a Manchester derby. It kind of just shows how the mighty have fallen. You know, and after the game, you have Man United and Man City players hugging each other, basically mm. kissing each other. In what, in what, universe that that used to happen yeah, this is a derby. this is where you're supposed to hate each other for 90 <laughs> minutes and fly into tackles it didn't have that fight it was a really really disappointing game of football but as you said klaus both managers didn't want to lose the game because in, in a yeah. big game in a derby it can really affect your form for the next three or four games if you lose badly etc so both of them won't be happy with their performances but taking a point is not the worst thing in the world but it was for me watching the highlights like i looked at it and i went this this isn't a derby. This is the most tame Manchester derby I think I've ever seen. So yeah, that was strange for sure. Yeah, and that's what that's what Gary Neville was saying. He's saying like uh, he felt that you, if looking at Pep, he said that look, he's one guy that should have come out there and try to win the game, um, and he would have. But yeah, he didn't. Can you hear me, Claude? <laughs> No, dude, I don't know what's going on with you. He's still there. Rich, you're still there. <laughs> I, can, I can listen to you longer. Um, I can hear you. I can hear you, Claudio. 
I can Yo, see that you can't is, hear me. But... I, I feel like the second wave of COVID has hit South Africa and it's hitting our live stream for some. Somehow it's affecting us. I don't know what's going on here. We're having some serious technical difficulties. Um, but talking talking about the game in particular, like you said, Rich, um, it's a huge derby, but also shows you the difference in terms of the the games where fans were allowed back into the stadium versus mm-hmm. that that just lacked any p. Like if if they had some fans, maybe there would have been some fight. Maybe there would have been some some nasty ta- not nasty but like some some determined tackles rather um yeah. yeah it just it was completely lackluster it was like okay cool guys we didn't go out there we're gonna play for 90 minutes we're gonna take our points and then we're gonna piss off because if one of us loses this it's gonna be big headlines the next day ollie's job <laughs> will be be on the line again you know it's one of those things despite the fact that you know they're the, the best team um in the league at the moment with the guys the last five games and, and from a form perspective um, and then you've got Pep Guardiola, like like you mentioned already. This isn't the same Man City. But the, the irony to all of this is that it isn't the same Man City. But if they've got a game in hand, Man United have a game in hand. And if they win those games in hand, they're only two or three points off the top, which shows you how open this league is at the moment. And I was asking you guys yeah. just before we started. Um, oh, oh we lost So now <laughs> we know what the problem is at least. Hey, let's... <laughs> I think, I think, I think yeah. what Clouds was saying, though, obviously, and I've thought about this now, there wasn't a, a sense of spice and drama in that game. And in a derby, I think fans are almost 50% of what brings that spice. If you've got fans booing and jeering and Oaks flying into tackles two-footed, that, that has a big role to play in how the, how the players perform. I, I can't imagine playing a massive derby game, for example, like a North London derby, and then having no fans. You know, how, no, how are players no, supposed to get motivated? No, I agree with you. Um, I think that's one, one thing I think I noted as well when uh, looking at that, that that Man United game, the one, the one that actually didn't have fans was the one that was just, it was all right. I mean, although I feel that Man United did uh, uh, defend a bit better than they have uh, in previous games, but I think, yeah, there was just something lacking there. There was, I mean... There was no reason for them to really win the game, um, yeah. and we can we can always argue it, but we never know for sure. Uh, but if the fans were there, uh, we probably would have gotten uh, uh, a bit more of a probably a, a better performance from the teams. Actually, more of a desire from one of the teams, should I say, uh, from yeah. maybe Man United, since they were I'm sure it was them that was playing at home, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think we would have definitely got something from there. Yeah, um, sure. But yeah. In the end, I think yeah, they literally, they literally cancel each other out. Boring game, uh, not one yeah, I can well, do. Yeah, one of those games we're not, we're not, uh, we're actually happy to see the back off. That's for sure. That's yeah. for sure. But can we move on to the the Everton Chelsea Everton Chelsea game? Everton beating the Blues by one goal to nil. What were yes. your thoughts? Obviously, you've got Chelsea in like tremendous form, and then coming to a grinding halt at Goodison. What are your thoughts on on that result, Bonga? Yes, last week, Rich, uh, I can even remember myself, I did not see this happening. I mean, yeah, I, I think I remember I remember saying that, look, if you got the Everton of, of, from the beginning of the season, I mean, you just don't know which Everton was going to pitch up. But the possibility was there because maybe they just could pitch up on the day. Um, but then again, I also felt that Everton maybe were, I mean, Chelsea were a bit uh, unlucky. 
I think Mendy as well made a made a huge blunder. I think he I think maybe Kepa put something in his drink before the game. <laughs> that, was a, that was a massive blunder. Uh took out the player, obvious uh, obvious penalty. Um and, and as yeah. as think Sigurdsson did well to put it away. Uh but uh tells to you of I, I mean afterwards you 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 got the response that you expected from them. Um they were they were all over Everton. Um, but they just couldn't score. I think they hit the twi- the, the post twice. Um, but, it, I mean, the post is as, as close as it is to the opening of the net. I mean, it's it's still still not a goal. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I, think, yeah. I don't think Lampard will be too disappointed because, as you say, they, they, they responded really well. And mm. on another day, they could have easily got back into that game. So I don't think Lampard will be too disappointed. But in terms of Ancelotti and Everton, you mm. know, I, as an Everton fan, I wouldn't know what kind of team I'm going to get every single week. It must be so frustrating yeah. for them because, as you say, they started so well at the beginning of the season and then kind of went through a stage where I think they lost back-to-back games and suddenly they're losing yeah. to Minos teams that you'd expect them to beat. And mm. then now they've just gone and beaten Chelsea who are side in really good form. So I think Ancelotti's struggling a bit to find that winning, that winning formula. I still don't think he knows what his best side is. But we are delighted to be joined by our main man again, Klaus Kinneras. <laughs> yeah, now I'm back in the game. I'm back in the game. You know, um, I got pulled out. I got pulled out. It looked like it was almost like we're playing indoor. You know, I got an injury, got pulled out, and I'm back in. Um, yeah, I don't, know, I don't know what I missed from regards to the Charles and Everton thing, but I, the keepers were at it in this game again. It's like whenever a game is played at Goodison Park, there's something's going to happen both ends of the goal from the goalkeeper perspective. The first penalty that's given away from a, from a Mendy perspective... What the hell is he doing so far out of his box? <laughs> no clue. But I don't know what, what killed me the most is when you add it to the player, like he literally aimed for him. He's like, I, I can't get the ball, I'm bumping him. Oh, and I've, I've, I've criticized this a lot, some keepers. But I mean, I think with VAR now, and I think the way the rules have changed, they, they're not going to get away with it. But I think in the past, keepers had a lot of privilege um, in the box. But yeah, I mean, this one was... I don't know if it's a thing, but it was it was a huge blunder. I was telling uh, Rich now. I think I think Kepa spiked his drink because Talking about spiking drinks, we know the other goalkeeper Pickford is permanently spiked because what the hell oh is that guy God. doing as well? He's coming out for things when he shouldn't be coming out. He does pull off one or two saves in the game, which I mean they quite they decent, but then he does oh. crazy things like when he sets up the wall. They mentioned it after the game that they're pretty sure that the Chelsea team had analyzed how he had set up his free kicks because he tends to gamble. He sets up his wall, he's on the left-hand side, and then before they've even kept, kicked the, the, taken the free kick, he's moved two or three meters to the right-hand side, guessing they're going to hit yes. it there. So they just kept going yeah. to the left-hand side. And then the way in which he speaks to his players, I'm just like, this Oak is mental. This Oak is the most mental. Yeah. It boggles my mind how he can be England number one. Honestly, I cannot understand what is going through Southgate's head to make him England number one. I look, he must be the fifth or sixth choice for me yeah. in terms of yeah. English goalkeepers. I and I watch him week in, week out, and he is the most prone to error, irrational thinking goalkeeper I can possibly think of in, in the division right now. Um, so it, it just boggles my mind. Ancelotti must be pulling his hair out. I don't know how he kept a clean sheet. I honestly don't know. I know, like before an Italian. Like- yeah. Like you say, like I mean, for me, like like I said, the last was the was the last World Cup. It was the last World Cup. Pickford, uh, he played really well, um, and I also didn't think I mean he would have been chosen number one. But he played for my in my opinion, he played very well in that World Cup. 
uh, in many matches. But then again, it needs to be that that squad needs to be, I mean, chosen. I mean, uh, according to the best player in form. So I, you, I, I understand what you're saying, the Rich. I just can't understand, especially now, how he's still making that squad. But yes, the longer, it's, 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 it's one of those things where, like, you know, World Cup tournament football, you just need to be on mm. form. That's what it is, right? Yeah. But he's yeah. always got that in him. He can pull off an amazing save like he did on the weekend, but then he's going to make three or four ridiculous things that he's just not there. It's like he overcompensates for something. I don't know what the hell the Oak's doing. And I can tell you now, for an Angelotti, who's an Italian manager, where the Italian philosophy is a defensive setup, he's going to be replaced as soon as he gets the funds. And if someone's yeah. available, he'll be replacing that guy very quickly because he's not reliable. True. And if they do yeah. bring in a good goalkeeper, then they can really do something because the way in which he sets up, Angelotti, like I said, the most trouble Liverpool have had in the last two, three seasons is when Klopp has faced the Napoli side that was managed by an Angelotti. And we saw yeah. on the weekend, we saw how he set up against Chelsea. At times, they're defending with six players. And that's why they got the results. He's got the workhorses there in the Decore and the Allen. We know that. He's getting the work, the graph from uh, Richarlison and uh, Iwobi, who played on the weekend, funny enough. And they can do the damage. If, if, uh, Italians, uh, if, Italian, if Everton go 1-0 up in a big game, it's going to be very tough for guys to, to try and break them down. But with a pick-fitting goal, there's always a chance. Because you just got to, if you're a West Ham, jeepers, David Moyes must be licking his lips to go back to Goodison Park. Just get Cresswell, whip that thing back in there, and something's going to happen. It's going to be a life. <laughs> I, would hate, I would hate to be a defender for Everton. Honestly, you know you've got an awful keeper behind you. And furthermore, you've got a keeper that is so arrogant and just shouts and screams at you the entire game. <laughs> I would pull my hair out as a as an Everton centre back. Nah, I'd tell him to piss off. I'm not gonna lie. I've seen Imagine. him. And I've seen him. And I'm telling him to piss off in this like from my, my my lounge. I'm looking at him. I'm like, dude. Could you imagine me in a play on that field? Like you said, Rich. Jeepers, dude. Oh, He's so unlikable. He's the most unlikable character, honestly. I, just, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, but you know what I find interesting is that okay, so Chelsea they end up losing. They had some chances, but what I liked about it, the whole build up to that game was. Carragher coming out saying, you know, they've got the best squad in the league. They've got the best squad in the league. The first thing Lampard comes and says, he's like, we don't have the best squad in the league. And he's taking this now and he's trying to downplay his chances because the more people say that he's got the best squad, the more pressure he's going to be under. So, yeah, yeah so, so I like how he, that was the first thing he said after the game. He didn't mention anything else. He just says, look, I don't know why guys are being unrealistic. I don't have the best squad. He'd be like, well, you do. You just need to make him a team. You need to make him yeah. a team. Yeah. I mean, yeah, on paper, they, who's got a better squad apart from a Liverpool right now? Who's got a better squad, man for man? Yeah, Chelsea, 100% Chelsea. Has to be Chelsea, full on. I'm sure they could, they could name 15, 16 players. No, 18. I'm sure, 18 that are strong to play. Yeah, no, 100% <laughs> exactly. got the best team. And, yeah. and Lampard's, clever, Lampard's clever just downplaying it because in a, in a season like this where, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if a team that's finished fourth or fifth last season sneaks up and, and really enters a title race. Lampard's clever. You know, you've got to play it game by game. As, as you said, Klaus, as soon as you start getting ahead of yourself and taking on that responsibility of suddenly, yeah, we've got the best squad, that pressure mounts and that's when you really crumble. So I think yeah. he's done well there. I think it's something he's also pulled from his, his mentor and Mourinho because Mourinho's also come out saying, he's like, I don't know why everyone says Liverpool have all these injuries because he's facing them tomorrow. Yeah. And he says, no, 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 they don't have injuries. They don't have injuries. But we'll talk about Liverpool. But I just, that's definitely something he's learned from Mourinho. That's, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
But, yeah, um, also, yeah. yeah, but you know, and I was asking you guys before, I don't know what happened to me. Like, I just got booted off. It's like StreamYard were like, fuck you, Cloud, you. We don't like the show you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're like, no, no, Wonga and Richard, they've got this. They've got this. We don't like you. You're actually annoying everyone. Yeah. Anyway, um, going back to the actually winning this league this season, we know how unpredict- unpredictable this is. At this stage, after 12 games, this is the lowest points tally any league leader has had. Um, and we know it's it's all these crazy things that are happening in the world at the moment, and they're all adding. It's the bunch added up variables. They're playing playing a role. But how much does it take off the gloss to whoever wins this league if everything continues the way it is? Huge. I think if you win the league this season, obviously it will be fantastic, but not having full stadiums, and honestly I can see – this whole season playing out and there will not be one game where the stadium is completely full. And that's going to have a huge bearing on performances, on, you know, the enjoyment. Once you've won the title, being able to celebrate with your fans. Obviously, we saw it with Liverpool. It was a bit of a sour end for them, even though they managed to win the league, which was fantastic for the entire club. It takes a huge amount of gloss off, off the title. And yeah, I actually, I'm glad that West Ham aren't in a title race this season because if we were to win at this campaign, it would be the most bittersweet thing in the entire world to see us you win. See, see Wonga, Rich is playing like mind games. He's playing mind games like Lampard, ruling West Ham out of the title race. <laughs> Meanwhile, we know. We know they're in there. They're five <laughs> points behind. Anything can happen here. These games are coming thick and fast. They're coming so yeah. fast, man. Hey, so but like talking about the fans making a huge difference. Wonga, you got the joint league leaders in a Spurs and a Liverpool. Obviously, they're traveling to London, Crystal Palace, tight little stadium. They have their fans. Fulham, tight little stadium. They have their fans. And all of a sudden, both teams mm. show up and make it really, really difficult for both these teams. So, mm. like Crystal Palace, Spurs, let's unpack that. Let's look at it. What did you guys think about this game? Yo, I thought when I looked at the first goal, <laughs> I mean, look, Crystal Palace, like I said, they, they, they're very unpredictable. You never know. What you're gonna get, but if you get a good squad, uh, they 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 can they can literally hold the team to a nil nil draw if they have to. Um, they can if they want to. Um, I've never really been a fan of Benteke starting, so I wasn't really expecting much when I saw uh, when I saw him on the team sheet. But uh, I mean, when I saw the Felicity Harry Kane's goal, goodness me, um, I didn't see the angle from behind Harry Kane, but. Did the ball serve that much for 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 Gates? I mean, I, I, I don't know if you saw the game, Claudio, but Harry Kane shoots it, and it goes. It looks to me look like it went dead straight, but the keeper dives to the left, then sorts himself out. So his legs literally go from left to right, and then he's diving. You get what I'm saying? He's diving, yeah, facing that way, but body moving the opposite direction. Uh, ball goes in the back of the net. Uh, maybe good strike from Harry Kane, but I just I couldn't understand it. That was a flop, but. Then again, um, he pulled off a lot of good saves. If he's not in the in the net that game, uh, maybe it's the fans that also helped him. I don't know. But if he's not in the in the net that game, uh, Crystal Palace lose that game definitely four. Um, yeah. he, he he put up yeah, he that, pulled that, up his that, that save game that save right at the end from the dive free kick. Oh. Well, I yeah, mean, but... I, I just I think I, I know <clears throat> I know it's a world class uh, world class save, but I feel like. Dyer, typical center half, he goes for accuracy instead of just whipping it in. You know, like someone who's taking three kicks week in, week out, like your Ward Prowse, like your Trent, they whip it in because they know where they're putting that ball. So the pace generally beats the goalkeeper. In that scenario, Dyer is just trying to hit the target and he gives it, because he's doing that, 
It's lacking a little bit of pace just to get away from the keeper. The keeper, fantastic. don't take anything away because it's a fantastic save. But it wasn't the best free kick. I know, like, yeah, it yeah. was a good, it was a very good free kick, but it wasn't a world class free kick. I can't see that. But look at, but look at a deer, a, a dire, when he, uh, I think what he's thinking in his head is he's been on the free kicks all the time, but has he ever hit the target? Well, for me, I, I've, I've seen him take the speaks I've seen him take quite a few have all gone over, not left, yeah. right. Over, way over. So now he's thinking his head, yo, maybe his time is limited. Let's just get this on target. <laughs> he puts yeah. it on target. And yeah, Kiefer says it. That's what I'm thinking when he takes it. I feel like this the show is taking like a, a lot of a, a keeper conversation because Crystal Palace's goal as well. Hugo Lloris, uh, guys. What do we think about that? Yeah. He should be, should he be holding on to that? For I me, think it's a difficult one, uh, in my opinion. I looked at it and I think... Yo, he's, the ball, I think the cross came in. It was it was perfect. It worked out nicely for, for Crystal Palace because now the players are in front of you. You can't go out. He's not going to win it if he gets out. But now everyone's missed it. So now he's also anticipating a touch that doesn't come. Now the ball's bounced in front of him. Um, I mean, he's played well the whole season, done very, very well. And I, I, I don't think that that one was as easy as it looked. And that bubbles in front of him. And uh, I mean, yeah, it comes at him quick. There's a lot of things happening there. Um, a lot of players that Paul could have hit, and I think that's what puts him off, in my opinion. I've never been a fan of Hugo Lloris. For me, I think yeah. he's one of the most overrated keepers yeah. in the world. Um, you know, um, I'm in the same camp. I'm not going to lie. I'm in the same honestly, camp. Honestly, you... he, he is not commanding. You need to be commanding as a goalkeeper. His distribution is not good enough. There are so many times where he gets the ball at the back and he just hopelessly hits it and it doesn't go to anyone. And there again, it just showed... The insecurities that he has. Um, exactly. Obviously, it's, exactly. it's a good ball. It's a good ball in from Ebrechi Eze, who for me is actually a really, really good signing for Palace. Really exciting youngster, but he has to be doing more there. You either got to come out, try get to the ball before it bounces, punch it, or just do something. But he was so he was caught in like three different minds there. He honestly didn't know if he was coming or going. And for me, that's that's Hugo Lloris in a nutshell. I don't know what your thoughts are, Clouds, on, on no, him. I, dude, I'm in complete agreement with you. It, it, exactly that. And, you know, like when Matt was on the show the other day and he was saying, you know, he's like definitely has to be one of the best keepers in the history of the Premier League. And I'm like, I just can't understand how this guy's still the number one for France. Is there no one better than Hugo Lloris? Like he's good. But like you said, like you said, in those sort of moments when conviction is needed, he almost, he has moments where he's like David Moyes in the Old Trafford dugout. <laughs> you know, the, the eyes are popping. He feels like he's uncomfortable. You know, yeah. it's exactly that. When you go to a Crystal Palace, Hugo Lloris is always going to be under pressure because he, he's in the unfamiliar space when people are on top of him, he doesn't like it. And I think in that scenario, sure, I know what you're saying, Wonga. His line of sight was off guard. He thinks someone's going to get a touch, but it doesn't and comes directly to him. But still, the way in which he deals with it, it hits him rather than him knowing it's going to hit him and parrying it away, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's a situation where if, if Rich is saying he's got conviction there, he then goes, I'm either catching this. Okay, cool. No, I'm not catching it because it's coming too quick. Gotcha. So I'm going to hit this thing away. And if I'm going to hit it away, I'm going to hit, clear that thing wide. And, you know, it just hits him. And he's kind of like, oh, shit, where did that thing come from? And then it's like, oh, goal. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, one thing I want to ask you guys before we move on is the, the whole Gareth Bale situation, the luxury signing. Mm -hmm. What I personally see from a Mourinho side is this guy's not going to get any game time because Mourinho is going there to win now. He's got the team buying into his, his workaholic sort of defensive mindset and the Gareth Bale is not going to do that for you. So when does this guy play? When do you bring him on as a manager? It's so difficult for Mourinho because 
obviously when when he signed all Spurs fans were going our savior's back he's going to be our main man he's going to play week in week out but as you said Klaus Mourinho is the type of manager to say I've got a game plan you stick to my game plan you work hard you do what I say and if you don't you're not going to touch the pitch and I think yeah. that's kind of what's happening now obviously when Bale arrived he was struggling with injuries so you can understand why Mourinho might have bided his time and slowly introduced him into the fray but I agree with you. I don't think he's going to be a starter at any point this season unless there's an injury to Son or Kane or one of the players that are really in form because he has a he has a role to play and he's, as you said, a luxury player who's not potentially going to give you exactly what you need when you're a Mourinho-type manager. So it's an interesting one because Spurs fans are calling for him to, to be their main man and their saviour and to recapture that form that we saw when he was last at Spurs, but I, I can't see it happening personally. I'm not sure what you think, Wonga. Yeah, also, I mean, I thought he would have started at least as someone you try and build back up, but I think, yeah, exactly what you guys are saying, that's probably exactly what's happening um, uh, that side. I think also that the, what, we, what, we, what, we, what we spoke about in the beginning, that euphoria of actually, I mean, him actually signing, I think that's, that whole... Uh, the whole atmosphere around that, I think that was, uh, I think that helped Spurs a lot as well. Um, it's like gave them a hope. I mean, they looked at the squad, yeah, everyone is thinking, all these players, what, what I think, maybe, I don't know if Maruno feels about it, but I think maybe in his head he's probably thinking, hey, that did enough, you know. Um, but again, yeah, he's not going to yeah. risk, he's not going to risk uh, playing Bale for, I mean, exactly what's happening now. He's not going to risk it for that. I think even no, yeah. no, no more player would do that. No manager would do that actually. And you know, you, you that's a valid point, Wonga. If you're thinking about it, he comes in, and that's a signing that uplifts the whole club. And like Rich mm-hmm. was saying, you know, the savior is back. But they do always say you should never return back to your old club because you don't recapture that same sort of form. True. Um, but what's also interesting is perhaps if things didn't go according to the way they did in terms of the results they're picking up. Maybe then there is a bit more of a chance. But the issue now is that the team is so well drilled without him and they are picking uh-huh. up the results. For a guy who isn't 100% reliable in fitness, because let's face it, how many games has he played in the last two, three years consecutively? Um, I think it's going to be very difficult to break into that, that starting 11, especially when you've got a Kane and Song that don't need anyone else up front. They don't. Yeah. They just need guys to be working behind them. And that's how they're winning games. So it's a very yeah. interesting dilemma. And it's going to be interesting to see how they take on Liverpool uh, tomorrow evening. And talking about the Liverpool game that they played against Fulham, I mean, wow, guys. Did anyone watch this game apart from me? Yes. Yeah, yes. I watched it. When I saw Fulham 1-0 up, I had to turn on the TV. <laughs> 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 I thought it was going to be a clean slate. And I said, hey, no, let's watch this one. Fulham were good. Fulham, I think that was yeah. best, their best performance of the season, even though they didn't yeah, win neither. it. They, we saw a fight in Fulham that we haven't seen all season. So... I think they'll Not be the tremendously proud. Awesome. Exactly. You yeah. guys wiped the floor mm. with Fulham. Uh, yeah. I think it was the opening day. But there was just this mm. fight and tenacity that we've never seen before. And I think it will do a lot for their season in the long run. Just for confidence to say, yeah, we can pick up points against Liverpool. You know, we've got a chance this season. Yeah. What did you make yeah. of Liverpool's performance though, Klaus? Were you... I mean, I, it was definitely, like, I, it was what I said, for example. I said, no, Liverpool going to win 4-0. And I, I kind of think, I think the players went there with that attitude. And Fulham having their fans for the first time back in the stadium, that was a huge thing for them because they were on it. They were on it from the, the minute the ball got kicked off. They were the better side no matter what happened. First half, they were on top. 
Second half, they still controlled the game. Liverpool struggled, man. Liverpool looked like they were casually strolling out and they were going to get the victory, and they didn't. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, and then they got the goal, Fulham. And it was, as it was, you know, watching it, it is frustrating because you know the quality of players that you have. We also then have a situation where Matip comes off at half time, and you're thinking, oh shit, just what you need, another centre half injured before the, the Spurs game. So I don't know why Mourinho is coming out saying Liverpool don't have injuries, but you know the fact of the matter is. We had one full, uh, fit centre-half on the field against Fulham. I mean, obviously, yeah. we could get away with it because Henderson's a decent enough player. I was pretty happy with um, Curtis Jones. He was by far the best player and very much impressed with Minamino. There's a lot of... Uh, I don't well, understand I it. Yeah, the, but I don't understand. Like, from the Liverpool side, there's a lot of fans who don't like him. They're already saying his time is up. I'm like, the dude came in halfway through the season last season they won the league. They were already fully going. And he's Japanese and he doesn't speak English. He speaks German, which is fine with the manager. But to be integrated in the team takes a lot more time, especially if you're coming from a culture that's very, very different. Um, so they're saying he's not a good player, not a good player. So for me, when he came in, a player like Aminu Minu is very versatile. He can play in the front three. Sure, he's not going to have the same impact, but he can do it. And, um, but he comes into the midfield. And a lot of the time, we did look good on the weekend was because he won the ball and he broke up the play and he put something through and Curtis Jones did something or someone else did something. And it was a lot. Those were the two best players in the park. I think Trent had a shocker. He he was far off it and you could see the injury coming into play there and the match fitness not being there. He was very casual in in his approach. Um, And yeah, I just think it was a combination of a lot of players being really poor on the day. And it was Fulham just who showed up and really wanted it. It was kind of one of those things where every second ball was being competed by Fulham. And when that happens, you know it's going to be a tough afternoon, regardless of the fact that when you are Liverpool in recent, recent years, at least, we always come back from a goal down. It was just one of those games where you watched and you were like, I can't see us scoring a goal here. And then we, and we're looking at the penalty that we got. I mean, we technically stole two points from Fulham. On paper and on performance, I think Fulham deserved the three points, in my opinion. I don't know. Wonga, what did you think about that penalty? What did you make about the penalty? Look, I mean, according, according to the rule, it's... It's, it's a handball. I mean, his hand was yeah, but again, he's, he's facing the other way. If the ball misses his hand, what, what, what might? Where's the ball gonna go? That's that's also a thing I'm asking. But I mean, according to the rule, it's a penalty. He's turned his he's turned his body, his hand is out here, and it's uh it's hit his uh it's hit it's hit there by the elbow, and and I think uh, yeah, the ref called it right according to the rule. What were your thoughts yes. on the, the Fulham penalty shot, Klaus? Do you think they had a case for the yeah. Cavalero? Because for yeah. me, I think that I think it was a pen. Personally, I was <laughs> I, I was losing my mind. I was losing my I mind. Was I, no ways. I was watching it and I was like, <laughs> "What a tackle!" I was like, "What a tackle!" What? Dude, that was I was, and then and then I'm watching it with other guys are like, "No, this is going to get checked for VAR." I was like, "Ha I thought they were joking," and then I went for VAR. No no, guys, as soon as that starts getting reviewed, what the hell are you saying about football then? Then we're removing all these tackles that Maldini did for years. All those, the beautiful art of a good sliding tackle. And you know what? You're going to tell me he's touched the plate. Bullshit. The guy was already off his feet. He was already off his feet. And that, that for a center half, he's playing center back. And to win that ball the way in which he did, I thought it was a brilliant tackle. My, my, I, don't just, I, I don't think we touched the ball. <laughs> no, he didn't. It. it was clear as day he touched the ball. I don't think he touched the ball. Oh my goodness. No way. He touched the ball. 
Ian Wright after the game, flying. he couldn't believe it wasn't given. He was like perplexed. But Ian Wright <laughs> also played for Arsenal and supports Arsenal. So what the hell does he do? And he's a striker. And he's a striker. Yeah, exactly. No way. And always, whenever, whenever I take this into perspective, I always see it from the defender's angle, largely because when I played, I was always the defender. And I know when a striker, like Calvert Lewins, for example, I know we're going back to the game, the Chelsea Everton game. Mm. But the second penalty that he gets. Um, that was soft. That was offside, but he he cuts the ball across and he runs mm. into Chilwell and he gets the penalty. Like for me, That's surely as a ref, and this is what pisses me off is the ref goes no by letter of the law. There's contact. I'm like no, it's not. It's no. not. It doesn't work like that. The striker is looking for it. In this scenario, it's a bit different. In this scenario, it's a bit different. The player is generally going kicked. for the ball. He doesn't get kicked. Which angle are you guys looking at? Which one? Which one were you looking at? <laughs> All of them. The one. Uh, the one I was watching the match well, and I, I, I saw him swipe. Look. I, I, I'm, I'm in disagreement, but regardless, regardless, I do think Liverpool, oh were, lucky to, Liverpool were lucky to walk away with a point in that game. They were uh, lucky. What else I going to ask you? Claudio, I also don't understand, like, uh, Liverpool, okay? I understand Klopp, done well the team, but this, in my opinion, uh, the high line, the, yo, there was that opportunity in the first, in the first, um, I think it was two or three yeah. minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, they just passed, passed, and then they, what killed me the most is that he, they pass the ball straight past everyone. Then after they take after Fulham take the shot on goal, everyone's there perplexed. There's like Matip is looking and saying, "What the hell happened?" Like you you are it's two minutes in, everyone's fresh. You're playing a high line. You're going to get beaten by the quickest player, and everyone's perplexed, under, not understanding what the hell just happened there. And I think you know, for me, I think that was uh, especially with I mean, not defense not being up to up to fitness. I mean, I I think I even noticed Matip limping a bit after that full sprint he had to hit. Um, But that's that's one of the things though, Wonga. I think that's how the team came out. They were very complacent. And in that sort of scenario, the reason we play the high line, in particular on the weekend, was because the park is smaller. So you should be dealing with that, especially when you've got three center mids in the the middle of the park there. One of them should really be helping out. That run shouldn't be happening because even if the player gets past the man, he should be taken out. So... But they got they switched off. They completely switched off. And I agree with you. I think Nick always says it. He's like, why are Liverpool playing a high line more so now that they don't have pace at the back? Um, yeah, I think it's similar to how City played against United on the weekend as well. City sat a lot deeper because they knew they're not as organized. So they decided, okay, let's sit deeper because we're going to get caught on the counter with your Rashfords and your Martials, et cetera, et cetera. Liverpool, I think we're just banking on the fact that one, the sentiments were going to help out on the weekend and two, that the park is smaller than your, your usual size park. And um, they did. You know, they did get caught out. They did. And like I said, yeah. we were lucky to get that point. Uh, but nothing else to say about that, except for the other fact that now Jota, another injury to the list after yeah, two yeah. months because they played him in the Champions League in a game that didn't matter. So it's like, eh. And yeah. even uh, interesting thing about the... You remember the goal that Fulham scored? Uh, I think just before the pass... That was a good uh, hit. The, the, before the shot was taken... Salah gets pushed. Well, it looks like he gets pushed. That's what they say. Mm. And I was and I was looking at it. Yeah, when I looked at it at the in the V in the from the VAR point of view, everything's played slow motion. You see the touch. You see Salah jump forward, and you're thinking. You even see him move forward a bit, and then he jumps forward, and then you're thinking, maybe it's exaggerated. But um, I don't know who it was in the. I think it was uh, who was it? I can't remember who mentioned it. But they said that uh, if the ref, when he's watching it, he's probably seen it. Um, uh, correctly, in, in the sense that he saw everything real time, and he's got the perfect point of view to see what's happening. And in the real time, what he sees is Salah exaggerating 
what happened. He says the, no, maybe no. the contact, yeah, the contact wasn't enough. And I think, yeah, in that instance, maybe VAR kind of does skew it because when you look at VAR, you're thinking contact, play moving forward. It's but definitely from VAR the push. does though. Yeah, VAR uh, does. 100%, yeah, it does do that. because it's you're not That's there to forensically it. analyze. It's it's exactly mm. how the ref interpreted it. That's how it mm. needs to be done. And when I saw it, I knew exactly. I was like, "That's not going to be given. That's not going to be given." Why? Because yes, he does exaggerate it. He's created a, that reputation for himself. So even if he was pushed, he still does mm. what the reputation uphold that he's upholding with. So he's never going to get the decision. Yeah. And then the second thing is, he could have competed for that ball. The ball goes up, even if he doesn't win it. Even if he doesn't win it, he puts the defender or he puts that player off. But no, he throws his yeah. hands up. And what he does is he allows him to actually fucking lift his head up and play the ball out wide to play who's completely free. <laughs> and again, our line was all over the place. We were just we were had a very bad day at the office. But it was one and that hit, by the way. If that I would have been pissed off if that goal been ruled off for Salah throwing his hands in the air because that was a sweet yeah. hit and that goal was coming from a Fulham perspective and like I said, very well deserved from the end. Uh, I, I, yeah, that's true. all I can say. That's I, I, I don't know, Salah must stop his shit. And you know, Salah, for me, guys, big big question for you guys. If Liverpool have to get rid of a Salah or Mane, and obviously Salah is a, tremendous, he's immense for Liverpool, which mm. player do you get rid of? Because, and don't take into consideration people are going, oh, no, no, no. The worst was I was talking to someone on the weekend, they're like, Mane is not in form. I'm like, why? Because he hasn't Crazy. scored goals. Because he hasn't scored goals. Now he's not in form. Yeah. I'm that like, horse. do you watch I'd football? I'd have Mane over Salah any day. Uh, yeah, exactly. me too. 100%. Exactly. He's yeah, gonna. So he that, can win yeah. you. He can win you matches. That guy. Yeah. It's a conversation done. But he can win you matches that you're not supposed to win. Sorry, I actually moving on, moving on because I actually forgot we still yeah. haven't spoken about the the actually the big game for the weekend. Um, Monga, your manager came out saying today came out saying if people are firing bullets, they must hit me in the chest and I must take them like a man. That's what he came out saying today. Yo, um, yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> after this loss. <laughs> those uh, are probably a good 15 minutes of thinking to myself what the hell is the problem with Arsenal <laughs> like maybe this is the reason this is the reason that's the reason um, I'll tell you one of the reasons I did think of I'm just th- I was just wondering um, uh, what you know the team performs like this week in week out but no one no one no one no one is suffering any consequences for what, for, for what is happening um, that's why like, you see maybe I know not every manager is doing it but Frank Lampard's team um, they've got depth in the team and he literally plays people on form Kepo I think only struggled for a couple of games eh? it was like he gave him the chances yeah one, two, three and then poof that was it got a keeper changed him and now that's the keeper done um, if I'm looking at Arsenal I mean Aubameyang and those guys are not firing um and like Azet as well, I know he's been complaining about not starting. Okay, now he's starting. He's starting now. He literally be starting. And I, I think I can't. I, I would be. I think probably the past five games, like Azet's been starting, and you're not getting goals. I'm talking about the league here. And there you got the other young boys playing on the weekend. They're firing left, right, and centre. They scored, I think, twenty something goals. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, Silla put it in that group. We saw the the, the log for. For, for Arsenal. And yeah, it's not sweet composition, you might say, but they're scoring. You know, they're scoring goals. Try to give those guys maybe one or two just opportunity to start there just to show that, look, guys, your position is not guaranteed next match. Um, I don't know what's going on in the camp and how they change the, the, the systems there, but I think for me that could be 
contribution to what we're getting out. It's very lackadaisical. There's no consequences. Okay, I don't fire in this game. Okay, I got next game. Next game, I'll fire. I don't do this game. Okay, next game I can do well. And it's also happening. I mean, before the game, I think, before Tottenham game, um, they interviewed Lacazette. You know, they like doing these interviews. They asked him what, uh, not Lacazette, Aubameyang. And they asked him, what do you, what do you think, what, what are your spirits going into this game? And he says, no, I feel that, you know, this is the game we're going to, no, this is the game that we, we, we must win. You know, uh, we, if we win this game, it's, it's a derby, you know, spirits are going to be lifted up, probably give us confidence to the next match. Did you see, if I told you that now, I'm telling you that now, and then you, you see the performance that happened in the game, it's, it's not the same thing, you know, so. It's mental. I don't know like, what, what is happening. Like Shaka and that that the the tweet that's going around with Patrice Everest saying, you know, Terry Henry said, come watch the game yeah. in my house. And then you see Shaka wearing the captain's arm and he's like, this isn't my captain. He switches the thing off. I mean, Shaka, the fact that that man was captain, the fact that he took his armband off, swore at the fans and somehow has managed to come back into the club and still play. I feel like that that's a huge like flashlight warning sign as to what the hell's going on at the club because the fact that that has happened is ridiculous. Then you've got other players. Let's talk about you you mentioned accountability, exactly that. Accountability. You mentioned straight off that Alneni does the thing in the box, which technically if he's getting carded for what he did there, why isn't that a penalty as well? You, maybe you can explain that to me because I just saw the highlights so, I watched the whole thing. I yeah, like the way I also wondered why it wasn't a penalty. Uh what was my I think I don't know what the rules say, but if you think about it, the ball, the ball wasn't played. Uh, do you get what I'm saying? The ball was the ball was static. It wasn't it wasn't actually played, and then he goes and he pulls the player off. That incident happened when the ball was still. So the game, the game wasn't played. in play. But my yes, thing is that's in... the way. That's how I understand it. But I, I, I I'll not lie to you. Not, I will not say that that's the reason for sure, but that's the way I'm understanding it. Is that? But then the ball irrelevant, irrelevant. So that's yeah. that's how Al Neni feels because absolute desperation. That's how he's dealing with the situation. Then Madness. the actual goal comes in, and you've got Aubameyang, typical typical striker sort of half-ass attempt. Doesn't even know where the ball is. His eyes are closed. He's looking this way. Comes off his head and goes into the back of his own net. I mean, <laughs> you talk about accountability. I can only imagine. Like, you are far too calm. I think I got rich. I think I got the calmest Arsenal fan to talk about all of this because I can't Definitely. understand it. I mean, I'm Definitely. losing my shit about Liverpool drawing against Fulham. If I had seen that shit on the field at home, and the other thing, we're talking about how a huge difference the, the fans have boosted the other clubs on the weekend's games. At Arsenal, the fans seem to have made it worse somehow. That's what, Claudio, that's what I was going to say last week. I was, and I remember, I can't remember, but I got cut off. Is that, Arsenal, yes, we're having a difficult time, but to a large extent, I feel that the fans will have a big part to play in what's going to happen. But in, making very, them... in helping them win. No, 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 helping them go up, yeah, helping them go up or go down. So if you're watching everything, I mean, right now, I mean, you saw that guy is closing his eyes. Do you blame the guy uh, for putting his, his mask over his eyes? Um, yeah, I thought you talking about yeah. Bamiyang. I was like, yeah, blame no. him for being for it, like, honestly. But like, you're watching... I mean, Arsenal, there was a point in time where um, in the, which was the second half, before Shaq got sent off, we were going to score, Claudio. It was like, it was watching, like watching West Ham. Like West Ham, they were getting set pieces. You know, you knew in your head, watching that game, one of them is going to go in. And Arsenal, there was that point in time, yes, Burnley started off, they got the opportunity in the beginning where I don't know what Gabriel was doing. 
but that didn't go in. But there was that part, that period in the game where Arsenal putting pressure, and you're like, yo, a goal yes. is coming. Then what does Shaka do? The, the guy is far away from when you reach for his throat and you push him down. Then I was like, oh my goodness. You, we just had the same situation with Pepe, a madness. And then you go and you do the same thing. Um, and, I, and, I've, and I think I've said enough about how, how much I love Shaka, uh, how much I love Shaka, uh, Shaka playing for Arsenal. <laughs> I, I don't think he's even capable of, I should be even in this team. And then he goes and does things like this. Uh, people the question is, though, Rich, Rich, would you, if, if he was available on a free right now, would you take him at West Ham? No oh. chance. We have Suchik and Rice who are better. Exactly. Him. And Which how the hell is this like? You know, you're finding it a difficult, very difficult, because a guy like Arteta, it seems like he's dealing with children. That's what he's wanting. He's dealing with children. But then the other thing yes. is, the worse the results are for an Arsenal, the harder it is for Arteta to make the team better because when it is time to go get players, which players are going to want to go play for Arsenal? Don't tell me there's heritage and all this other shit. What player uh, in no their way. right mind would want to come sign for Arsenal right now? Yeah, good point. I mean, I, I think Wenger even struggled that time uh, we didn't make uh, the Champions League. You struggled to sign players because they went to the Champions League. Now, but I think, no, honestly, Claudio, the only thing Arteta needs to do is just make people accountable. If he loses, then, then that's what it is. I mean, maybe your players are not good enough, but players are not... Then, like you, you're not getting goals, and then you go play the same guy the next week. You, you, there's no, Steve, there's pressure on exactly you as a manager. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's exactly. Pressure, I'd rather, I would rather him lose four games and say, okay, cool, Lacazette, like you had your chance. If you take that chance, we go one 0 up. Things are different yeah. in this game. You don't take your yes. chance. Piss off. Let me pay Inketia or whatever his name is. Let me get him on the field. If I'm gonna lose three games in a row, it's because the youngster's developing. And he's getting better. I'd rather do that than stick yes. with these guys that are meant to be giving you results and all it's giving you. Because what's happening is now the spotlight is on Teta. When you look at yes. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or Old Trafford, how many times in the beginning when he was struggling in the form was up and down like a yo-yo, were people blaming mm. fingers or pointing fingers at him? No, they were saying, oh, no, it was the players. When Mourinho was mm. there and things weren't happening, they're like, it's the manager. It's the manager. Yeah. It's the manager. And he tried to yeah, change the narrative. He tried to change it to say, no, these players aren't serious. I'm dealing with kids. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 no. And then he was quiet about other things. But now, right now, Arteta's biggest issue is exactly what you're saying. He's taking the brunt for the shit that the players are putting out. And he needs to and get onto that quickly and rather play the youngsters. Yes, because now the thing is now he's protecting. And that's the thing. Like you said, they're treating them like children. I mean, even I think you shouldn't even be treating children like that. Goodness me. I mean, he, he's, anything they do wrong, it's no, we've got the crosses are coming in. It's going to get there. It's, yo, we're in the air. We're December now. It's December, bro. Next year, it's end of uh, end of this December. It's going to be half year and really halfway through the year, and we're going to be halfway through the year, and we're going to be bottom of bottom half of the log. It's it's you have to start making people accountable. So, he so, can't so, yeah. be responsible for everything. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and to make the comparison, you've got West Ham that are five points from first place, and then Arsenal are five points above relegation. Five points, and like I said, oh. these games are coming in thick. They're coming in fast. They're playing tomorrow, you know, if they lose to Southampton, because Southampton, are, they're also top of the log. Southampton are currently sitting fourth. So if, if they lose that game, and then they lose another one on the weekend, who's to say that they're not going to be in the bottom three? And that's the worrying thing for an Arsenal. And then what do they do? Because the thing is, Arsenal, don't have a B, they don't have a backup plan. They've signed Arteta to see, it, see out the season regardless. They haven't, they haven't come with a contingency plan going, you know, if it doesn't work out with Arteta, we're going to bring in this guy, we're going to bring in this guy. Because actually, who the hell are they going to bring in? And also, Claudio, like, and also I was thinking about it as well. I, I, it, it just sort of somehow proves what 
what you were saying about Mr. Mesut, uh, Mesut Ozil was a uh, was was just was just hogwash. I mean, he he says that no, he gave he gave uh, Mesut Ozil all. I mean, every every opportunity to prove himself, but he didn't prove himself for the team. Okay, now you've got players that have played the league matches, especially your strikers, week in week out, and we're sitting. Sixth of the lock. And I mean, I don't, I don't think we have more than nine goals. I think maybe we've got ten. Maybe. Maybe he double digit. I don't know. But he's, he's making Uzubul, he makes Uzubul accountable in training sessions. But these guys who come to matches and not scoring goals, you don't, they're not accountable. Shaka, goodness me. Shaka, I've said this, it's, it's been, I mean, he's been the same for years. He's been the same since he got to Arsenal. He's been the same. He kicks people and doesn't need to. He's, 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 he can't run back, so he decides, okay, I'm going to kick the guy. Everyone says, oh, no, it's a smart tackle. I'm like, that's nothing smart. And clear about this idiot. It's flipping lazy. I could do what he does. I yeah. could do exactly what he does. Yeah. It's, I'm agreeing But he doesn't. He doesn't get... He doesn't get um, the thing is, he just doesn't face any consequences, so he'll carry on doing the same thing all the time. Yeah. And talking about the consequences and moving on and doing like, you know, what's going to happen with the consequences if there's another loss. We're going to go move over to the betting corner. Normally, we save this for pre-match Muti, but because the games are happening tonight and tomorrow, we might as well talk a little bit about our predictions and what we think is going to happen. But we're only going to focus on the Arsenal game, Liverpool game and West Ham game because we've got the three of us here today. So Arsenal, Southampton, accountability, Wonga. If the results do not come in, what happens? And what's your prediction here? What's your prediction, first of all? Arsenal fans are not going there to support the team. They're going to go there and expect to win. <laughs> That's exactly what's going to happen. Expect um, to win? Yes, also, no, fans I mean, the dis- fans, they're, they're I'm talking about the fans, yeah, in the, the fans in the stadium. No, they want to win. You know, they've they've put it out there. I mean, if I wouldn't say Arsenal fan TV shows all the Arsenal fans, but if you, it's it's the same sort of thing they went on with uh, the previous match they just played now, is that I, I sort of sense that they're going to come in there and expect the team to win. Now you're watching and you're saying, hey, you guys better win. And when they went down... Shaka went off. I think I think everyone lost. And I think the same mentality is going to come into here. Um, Arsenal just has to prove the players are going to get out there and probably be almost close to being alone. I think they're going to get a few people really trying to push them and help them to win the game. Um, guys are frustrated now. Um, and I think if Arsenal, especially if they play the same starting lineup, yo, 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 they're going to have to do, they're going to have to work, work themselves off. Uh, because right. I see Southampton so, coming so here. So prediction there, Wongo. What do you think? Yeah. Sorry, let's, sorry. Let's hear it. I think, no problem. Um, I think I'm going to see it. Yes, yes, I'm going to say 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, I, I still don't see them scoring enough goals to win a match. Um, defense, but just let me, not, let me just say it out there. I think the defense has been uh, better this season uh, for sure. But up front, yes, yes we, we're struggling in the league. Rich, struggling. what do you think is going to happen? Um, geez, it's difficult to see the Arsenal slide coming to a stop, eh? especially yeah. due to the fact that Southampton have been so good on the road this season. So I'm going to go for a, for a one nil Southampton win, a sneaky smash and grab. Going to continue, unfortunately, yeah. longer. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be a bad one, and I don't even think it's going to be one nil. I think they're going to suffer one. They're going to concede from a set piece because they they can't defend anything. And once they can see that first one, the fans are going to turn on them. And yeah, I don't know, but they're not going to know where to look. And then my biggest issue through all of this is there's a huge possibility that Arteta will get sacked. They won't have anyone else to replace him with. And the poor man, who's a decent manager, I think, 
he's not going to have a chance to have a career. <laughs> so I think that's kind of how this is going to un- unfold. Um, next game, uh, Rich, West Ham, Crystal Palace. Um, I'm obviously extremely confident and I feel as though we have more than enough to, to get the results. At the same time, Palace have got a lot of flashy players and they did the double over us last season. So it's going to be tough, but I have to be confident. I'm going to go 3-1 West Ham win. Keep the good times rolling. Wonga? Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think, uh, I mean, given that as well, that they did a double over uh, on them last season, I think West Ham is definitely going to, I mean, they've gone good form. They're going to remember the result from last year. Um, like I, I mean, the way they're playing tells you that, that look, everything, uh, uh, it sort of does matter to them uh, where they are now. And I think, I do see West Ham pulling it off and I, I think they could win 2-0. Two, two no. Yes, Wonka, I love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm also, I'm going to go with a, a West Ham one. I'm going to make it 2-1. Yes, you know, keep, keep, the, keep the title challenge going there, Rich. Keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. For, for the big one, the big one um, in terms of the two teams that are leading the league, leading the league rather, Liverpool Spurs. Wonga. If Liverpool are going to hold that same high line, they will definitely have to change the way they're doing that defence. Um, I, I was, that's why I was wondering, why would they play that high line coming... Uh, play knowing that they're going to play a game like uh, they're going to play a match, uh, team like Spurs the following week. Um, if they do that, they're going to they're going to get pumped. They're going to get pumped by uh, by Spurs. Um, that's if they do that. But Liverpool again, they've always surprised me this season. Uh, <laughs> so I think to be fair, I think both teams at the end of the day will most probably cancel themselves out, just like Liverpool's been seeing. And I think we might just see a one-one a draw. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> Rich, what do you think is going to happen? Um, I really fancy Liverpool on this one. Honestly, Mourinho is going to park the bus massively. He's going to be super negative. Uh, he's going there for a normal draw. He'll take that right now, bite your hand off, say thank you very much, and go back to Spurs. So I really think Liverpool, yeah, I agree. Uh, it's going to be cagey, but Liverpool will have enough. Spurs won't offer enough. They're going to go park the bus. I'm going to go 2 1 Liverpool. I back the Reds. Yeah, man. You know, Mourinho loves spoiling a party, doesn't he? And he loves coming to Anfield and spoiling the party out of all places. And he feels like throughout the years, he's been hard done by with the whole ghost goal and amongst other things. So he's going to do what he does. And like you said, park a double-decker, maybe a triple-decker if you can find one, and wait for that counter-attack. And like Wonga, you've highlighted the fact already, we're playing a high line. Whether or not we have our centre-halves available, in Fabinho and Matip, mm. if they're both fit, they're very slow. So we're going to have to sit a bit yes. deeper. So it's going to restrict us. But, you know, it could work in our favor where we sit a bit deeper and let them come to us. And hopefully huh. we get them on the counter. But I don't think that's going to happen. So it is going to be a tricky one. Rich saying 2-1. You saying 1-1. Also, like you said, Mourinho will take the draw. So And he knows how to slow the game down from throw-ins to everything else. Dude, I know I'm just rambling because I can't make my mind up, really. <laughs> um, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to say Liverpool are playing at home and we've got an incredible record. And we have the record right now. Consecutive ones, and I think Mourinho will try to destroy that. Do they have the fans? Yeah, we've got the fans, so I think I think that's going to be the difference for us. So two two one one, like Rich said. Yep, yep. Lads, before before we go, any final words? May the good times go far. Come on, lads. (laughs) Tough times last, guys. I'm telling you, (laughs) (laughs) they last. Tough and on that lost. note, on that note, if you guys don't know what to be, be cool. Thanks for joining us. Cheers, guys. Cheers.
Cheers, guys.